All right, good morning. Uh, we are right in the middle of a series walking through the book of Philippians, and so uh, really pumped and excited to to be able to preach, for us to walk through a book of the Bible together to learn um, what it's telling us, how it translates to us in, in the year 2021. And uh, this book has held a really special place in my heart. I'll get to more of that here in just a little while. And, uh, but it has. It's been really impactful in my life. And so uh, let's get started. This, is, this week is going to be uh, basically like a week to like the second part to what Jason preached about last week. And just real briefly, Jason walked through the process of salvation. And, uh, and we had to understand as believers that salvation wasn't just that time that we prayed to receive Christ at church camp or when we were younger, or even if that was uh, most recently. Salvation is a process that begins with a prayer, that begins with that uh, profession of faith in Christ. And it works in our life as we go throughout our lives as Christians, so it has the justification, the right at the beginning, the sanctification, which is where we're at right now, if we have placed our faith in Christ. And it leads to the glorification, which is the complete work of Christ in our lives. It doesn't happen until we are with him in heaven. And so um, today, Paul's going to kind of flesh out a little more what that looks like and why that's so important in our lives. And I wanted to start um, just kind of telling you a little bit about myself. I have, I've had the honor of working at this church for nearly nine years now, and, I, and, and the continued honor. And I I love cross-community. Um, I love um, the various roles I've been able to play while I've been here. And um, I love being in a place where I honestly and truly feel like God has led me and God has continued to use me, and, and hopefully um, God will continue to use me. But I didn't grow up in Oklahoma. Um, I grew up in Arkansas, not very far away, just in Van Buren. And I remember uh, when I moved here, it was, it was kind of funny, but uh, I loved Oklahoma when I moved here. I moved to Red Oak, Oklahoma, which is the middle of nowhere, especially compared to like Van Buren, a decent-sized town, um, right into uh, a town of 500. And, uh, but I loved it. It was different. It was culture shock, for sure. Uh, it was different, and I remember going on vacation with, uh, with my brother and friends from Arkansas, and I had been living here for like a few months, and you know, like when you're on vacation, like you're in Florida or something, you know, the, the waiter or waitress always has to ask you that question, like, where are you from? You know, like they actually care, but, uh, but they asked us where we're from, and I'm like, I'm from Oklahoma, and they're like, no, you're not. You grew up in Arkansas, but I've just claimed Oklahoma ever since I moved here, and uh, it, was just, it was just always kind of funny. It still happens today, but um, I did. I grew up in Van Buren, and uh, honestly, growing up for me, uh, I had a great family. I had um, a mom and a dad who truly loved my brother and I, who, who did their best to raise us in the church, to raise us in the faith. And um, they weren't perfect, and no parent is. I'm, I'm a parent. We're not perfect. But uh, I look back with thankfulness in my heart toward my parents and uh, toward the example that they had for us. But uh, life is tough, too, um, all the way from childhood, I always felt like I had a hard time fitting in places. I always felt like I didn't know, like, what am I supposed to do with life? What am I really good at? What, um, what's, what's in my future? And I remember um, yearning for friendship, yearning for a place to fit in, and often feeling like an outcast, um, even at church in a way. And I, um, I grew up, again, in church. We were there Monday, Wednesday. We were there for Tuesday night, uh, 
the visitation, you know, you go out. Um, when they were doing like all the, uh, like the Thursday night, okay, it was like they had to fit in, you know, churches sometimes, you gotta fit in things all throughout the week, right? Um, Thursday night, like the evangelism training, you know, like my parents were there, we were at that. But I remember really, uh, really loving youth group. And I remember being in junior high, which is the absolutely like most awkward and confusing time in your life, right? And, uh, and I was, I was super awkward. I was weird. I don't know. I mean, I, I still am. I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I guess I never grew out of that, but, um, I just remember being so awkward and, uh, I hated, I hated junior high. Um, everything's changing. Uh, for us, we were at a new school. Um, some of the friends that you had weren't there anymore. You got to find a new group to fit into. Um, and we had a good youth group at the time. And in our youth group, I really looked up to some of the guys that were there. Um, they would lead us in worship. They were in high school, and they would uh, lead Bible studies sometimes. They would be the, the people that our youth pastor would call on to pray. And I remember uh, at, in junior high and just in life in general, there's always like this pull, right? Like you have a pull toward, toward belief, toward faith, um, a pull toward something that's real and that transcends this life, right? And I always felt like I knew the Bible was real, I knew that Jesus is real, but I didn't always feel that in my heart. I didn't always um, understand that, and I didn't always live the best life for that. But also you have that fleshly pull, that, that allure of the world, the allure of wanting to fit in with the people around you that weren't believers, to, to tell the same jokes, to do the same things, to, um, to just fit in with people in a worldly way. And it wasn't only just about that, it was about the struggle with flesh that's, that's in you, that you have desires, you have sinful things that are in us that pull us right away from that faith and push us into believing that this life is all we have and that my pleasure and that what I want to do now is what's most important. So I remember like really struggling with that and uh, being around other believers in our youth group was really helpful. Um, seeing other people that lived out faith led you to believe that there actually was something real about this until that all shatters. So I remember going in Van Buren, it was from ninth grade into 10th grade is when you had another school change into what was high school, right? I remember going into high school, being kind of excited about it. I hated junior high. I was excited about high school. And walking into school and looking at some of these same guys that I looked up to that lived just like everybody else, that told the same jokes, that did the same things. Not just one, I would say most of them. Now as an adult, I look back on that and I totally understand because um, I knew I wasn't perfect and uh, it's hard to live out your faith in this life. But as a junior high kid coming into high school, it absolutely destroyed me. It, uh, I would even say it led me to a place to question, you know, was this real? Was Christianity real? Was Jesus real? Or had everything been made up and is this something that we're, we're doing week to week because it's the culture that we grew up in? I've oftentimes um, struggled with that idea. I began to do what they did. Now, it's not their fault. I don't, I don't step back and, and look at this now as if, you know, they were the cause of my sin. Um, at the end of the day, I'm responsible for my own actions, and I made the decisions that I made. Um, 
but I did I, for a whole year, for my whole sophomore year. I, I think I've told this on Sunday morning before, but I, I know I've definitely preached about it a lot with our uh, student ministry at Pecola. But for a whole year, I sinned. I lived in sin. I didn't walk the walk. I didn't walk out my faith in Christ. Um, I showed up on Sunday morning, and I faked it just like the rest of them. I prayed when I was called on to pray. I did the things I was supposed to do. Uh, yet, every other time I was not in church, I was living for myself, and I was living in my flesh. Obviously, something changed. But I just knew what pushed me down that path were the relationships that I had in this life. What, and, and whether I wanted to believe it or not, and what we have to kind of understand as believers is that whether, whether we realize it or not, the relationships that we have, the people that we spend time with, the people that we look up to affect us. Sure, there's nature and there's nurture, but you've definitely got that nurture thing that affects who we are as believers. Well, this morning, uh, Paul is going to speak to the importance of relationships that we have, especially when it comes to discipleship, especially when it comes to that process of salvation um, that's being worked out in our lives. And so we're going we're gonna to read together what Paul has to say about relationships and about, uh, about salvation, about growth in him. So if you would open up to Philippians chapter 3, we're going to be in verse 12. And... Uh, I can't help, I, I get, I think, one message out of Philippians. I can't help but kind of harken back to a time uh, where Jason and I actually took a class on Philippians. I know he's mentioned it, but um, I looked at my notes, and it was eight years ago. I didn't think it was that long ago. Back to some of the papers that I wrote and things that we had to do. And uh, I just remember we took this one-week intensive class. So it was one week, um, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. until, I think, 4 or 5 in the classroom. And then from 5 till you go to sleep, we literally um, went back to our hotel room and we read. And we read and we read. And then when my mind was dead, we read some more. And it was almost like you kind of had a hard time getting something to eat. I just remember Jason's like, are you hungry? And I'm like, yeah. So he brings out uh, chocolate malto meal, which I call barfo meal because it's gross. And that was like, he was like, let's eat this for dinner tonight. And I'm like, no, I, I, we need to go to Taco Bell or something because this ain't going to work. And I just, uh, I can't stand that stuff. And I don't, that's not dinner. Um, but, you know, I just, I remember that. But I remember sitting in that class and uh, we had this incredible professor. His name was Dr. Taylor. And uh, he was a man who had such incredible knowledge of scripture, who had this understanding and um, it was incredible, but also he had lived the life. He had lived in Spain. He had lived missions um, in his life. And so he was, to me, such a great example of what true faith looked like. He had the knowledge because in our faith, in our walk, we need the knowledge. But he also had the walk. He had lived out his faith, and it was just an incredible example to us. And so I can't, um, I can't preach from Philippians without... Uh, being reminded of that and uh, being excited just to bring um, hopefully some of what Dr. Taylor brought to us in class to our congregation here. So Paul starts in Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 
And just to kind of, again, to bring us up to what he's talking about, because this is, he's going to expound upon what he meant as he was walking through the process of, of salvation. So he starts um, in, in the beginning of the chapter, but he, um, he starts talking about his faith in Christ. And just to kind of, the, the summary verse for that was in chapter 3, verse 10, just a couple of verses before. Um, I don't have this on the screen, but it says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. So that's the justification. So in salvation, um, if you missed last week, in salvation, justification is the, the process of the penalty of sin being removed from our lives through the sacrifice and through the blood of Christ. We realize that by placing our faith into Christ. And so that's the justification. That's that prayer that you prayed. Um, that's that moment that you decided to follow Christ. Um, from then, Paul goes on. He says, I wanted to know the power of Christ and, and to know that in his resurrection, to fellowship in his suffering. And I, I think it's really interesting the way that Paul says that because it's, a, it's the idea that now we have discipleship. We grow in Christ. From the, pro, from the beginning of justification, it's the sanctification being grown into Christ, and it's suffering, like, what does Jesus say in order to follow me? He says, take up your cross, deny yourself, and come with me. Like, that's hard. It's more than just suffering because I didn't have enough to eat. It's suffering because you're denying the flesh that's in you that wants day by day the things of this world. That's a special kind of suffering. It's suffering because it costs us something to have faith in Christ. It costs us something um, even more than just flesh. Even um, our reception in this world, people don't understand. For true believers, it costs us something to follow Christ. That's the process of sanctification is Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit within us, works in our hearts and in our lives to transform us more into Christ-likeness. And not that we become perfect because Paul's going to, talk about that here in a minute, but then it ends with, and to, uh, let's see, into, at the end of verse 10, uh, the participation of his sufferings, and then becoming like him in his death. It's that glorification part. Again, Paul's going to expound upon that again, but it's the glorification. It's that process is complete. We're not perfect yet. We're not going to attain to perfection on this earth. The Spirit's going to work on us, and yes, our lives should get better, and they should get better as Jesus works in us, but one day we're going to be made perfect. We're going to be glorified. Our lowly, earthly, fleshly body is going to be um, transformed into something completely different, and we're going to know what it's like to walk like Adam and Eve did in the garden, to walk with God, to be with him, to live as Christ, but to die as gain, another thing that Paul had said. That's the process of salvation that Paul talks about. So having that in our minds and understanding what Paul is kind of talking about, Paul continues on in chapter 3, verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, what's he talking about when he says, I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me? It's just that relationship with Christ. Um, it's the calling that Paul had in his life, and it's that walk. It's that sanctification process. Uh, he says in verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do 
Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul talks about our walk as being a race with a prize at the end. The prize is Christ. The prize is glorification. If you look all through what Paul has to talk about, all through the book of Philippians, you see that time and time again that Paul's focus is on Jesus. His focus is on his relationship with Jesus, and his hope is in heaven. I can't help but look at Philippians, look at how Paul interacted with the church, and be completely affected by the amount of faith that Paul has and the vision and the purpose with which he lives his life that I often don't do a good job of emulating myself. Again, I said this just a second ago, for Paul, for him, to live was Christ. To die was gain. Then he tells the church, look at the love that Paul had for this church. He tells the church, like, I want to go on and be with Christ in heaven because that is better than being here on this earth. But I also want to stay here because I know it'll be fruitful labor for me. I know that it's going to be for your good. So for me to remain here is better for you and I'm going to be obedient to Christ in that. And his whole life was wrapped up in that. I cannot help but look and be um, encouraged and challenged by Paul's faith. He says it's a race. Um, he says, I'm forgetting what lies behind. You, we, Paul, uh, Jason spoke about this last week. Paul had a sordid past. Paul had a, um, a past that, that would have said to anyone, like he could not ever be anything because of how he had persecuted the church how he had fought against God, even though he was fighting for God, and how he considered himself to be one of the dirtiest of sinners. But Paul says, I leave that behind. It's been forgiven. It's been paid for by the blood of Christ. I leave my life behind, and I walk day by day. I don't walk in guilt and shame any longer. I walk day by day in new life in Christ. And then he goes on. Um, so here he's speaking to um, that process of sanctification in our life. Um, he goes on in verse 15 and kind of moves on to glorification. He says, all of us then who are mature, your translation might say perfect. Um, he doesn't mean perfect because just before this, he says, I haven't yet attained it. I'm not perfect yet. He's talking about maturity. He's talking about those who have grown in their faith and are continuing to grow. He says, to those of us who are mature, that we should take such a view of things. Again, a view of how the, the salvation process works in our life. And if on some point you think differently, uh, that too God will make clear to you. Almost as if he's like, uh, you may be wrong, but you know what? God's going to change your heart, and uh, it's going to be okay. And so then he says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Again, that's the, uh, the maturity that they've attained, the knowledge that they've attained, um, the growth that they've already attained in our life. Like hopefully as Christians, and we're not taking steps backwards in our faith, and we're continuing to work forward in our life. He says, continue to work. And then he says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So Paul's saying, I live my life as an example for you. And not just Paul, not that he was being conceited and, and saying, you know what, I'm Paul, I have it all together. Um, Y'all just follow me. Again, it was, he says, follow our example. He's talking about Paul. 
He's talking about Timothy. He's talking about Epaphroditus. He's talking about other church leaders. He's saying, let us work together. We are being saved day by day. We are sanctifying. Uh, Jesus is sanctifying us day by day. We're working out our salvation with fear and trembling day to day, and we're doing that together. Paul's setting an example. His example, too, is not that uh, we become emulators of Paul and become followers of Paul, but we continue to look all through Philippians and see how Paul was constantly pushing toward Christ. So he's saying, we push toward Christ together. Let us be an example of Christ, but it all is the focus of Christ and not on Paul. And why is this so important? He says in verse 18, and here's the danger of not having godly influences in our lives. Here's the danger um, of, of losing our... Uh, of losing our vision of what Christianity is, of losing our belief in our simple faith in Christ. It says in verse 18, For I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. And their mind is set on earthly things. I can't help here... Um, the heartbreak that Paul speaks with. He's not gloating here like we're, we're the true believers and uh, the rest of the world, they're just wrong and we're happy about that. Like Paul loved people. He was probably talking about just probably a pretty broad group of people, um, Jewish people that Paul had grown up with that, that believed in God and had somehow missed the Messiah that broke Paul's heart. Perhaps people who, who had uh, expressed faith in Christ or who, or who had um, at least been really interested in Christianity and at one point had believed that maybe somewhere along the way, it, it's like the, the parable of the soils that Jesus talked about. Um, maybe some people, they had grown in some faith, but it was snatched away and maybe the world had overtaken it. Um, maybe their, their lust for their own flesh and their desire to fill their own hearts and to do what they wanted to do overcame their desire for Christ. And for them, um, they were now living as enemies of the cross of Christ. Can I tell you that um, as a pastor, as a, as a person who has both been poured into and uh, poured my life into other people, one of the hardest things to walk through is whenever you pour your life into a student, when you pour your life into um, people that are in your small group or people that you just are around in church, and they grow up and they go on to, to leave the church, gosh, it's hard. It's something that something that's hard to walk through, that's hard to grasp, and that if we're not careful can sometimes lead us jaded, thinking that uh, why even pour my life into anyone else? I know why, and it's because I've been poured into myself. I know why because there are definitely students who walk with Christ and people who walk with Christ today, but I understand the pain the pain that Paul speaks with is he speaks to these people who were enemies of the cross of Christ. But then he says to us, to us believers in verse 20, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is that glorification process, the thing that happens. One day, life is going to be different for us. We're no longer going to have to struggle with the flesh day by day because we're going to be made into his image because we're going to be with him forever in heaven and it's going to be better for us. And Paul says, listen, as believers, we have to have that understanding and that vision in our life that, listen, this earth, it's temporary. We're uh, but the uh, but the dew on the grass. It's, it's there in the morning and gone in the afternoon. It's there. It's, our life is that quick. Therefore, as believers, we walk day by day knowing that we are citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of America. We're not disciples of our churches. We're not disciples of the world. We are citizens of heaven, disciples of Christ, and we live our life according to that day by day. It is a complete mind change that we have to have as believers that we have to as we are sanctified day by day as the Holy Spirit works in us day by day we know that this life is temporary the days are short and they're evil therefore we do everything we can to follow Christ to walk with him and to be looking forward to the future that we have with him in heaven it's tough it's tough especially by yourself that's why we need each other and that's why we need this church listen um, fortunately for me uh, my life didn't just end up destroyed from my sophomore year in high school at the end of that year I knew that I had been living the wrong way I knew um, and I, I just felt the weight and the guilt of sin upon me and I remember sitting in the, uh, on the counter in the kitchen with my parents, confessing to them all I had done. And uh, they were very gracious. Like, they shouldn't have been. Uh, well, they should have been, but uh, they didn't have to be. I, I should say that. Um, they were very gracious. And I went and prayed with an with a, uh, interim youth pastor at the time. But I remember wanting to have faith because I knew. Like, yes, I struggled with my flesh. I struggled day by day, but I knew that Jesus was real. I had experienced him. I had at least known a little bit of his power. And there was that part of me within me that wanted and that yearned for true faith. But it was like so lonely. I remember praying and asking God to, to send me godly friends. And uh, he did. Uh, he answered that prayer. I didn't plan on getting emotional, but uh, I prayed and asked God for good people to be with. Just need a second. Okay, I'm good. Um, and walked this, this little skinny kid with curly hair. His name was CJ. And uh, into our youth group. I, he might have already been there. I, I don't know. He was like one year under me. And uh, man, he was real. And uh, we walked in faith together. Um, CJ was a little bit younger than me. Um, my brother, it was like CJ was a gap or a, was a bridge between a relationship between my brother and I. Um, my brother came along. We uh, 
still the best friends to this day. Um, my brother walked with Christ. Other guys and girls in our youth group walked with Christ. I said I had a, gosh. I blame the women's conference. I was tired and emotional, so. Um, I said we had an interim youth pastor, and then one day we had youth group, and this new youth pastor came. He was wearing a suit, and he looked like a dork, because who wears a suit for youth ministry? And he brushed his teeth like 27 times that day, and it was super minty. And uh, they hired him, and we loved him, and he, uh, he poured his life into us. I won't lie, I cried in my office when I was work, uh, working on this message too. Uh, he poured his life into us. He showed us what true faith looked like. And he had us over and we had chili dogs and played cards at his house all the time. And uh, for each and every one of us, so, so thankful. Um, his name was Jason Waymire. Yep. And... Uh, and uh, I wouldn't be here today um, standing before you without the godly influence that he had in our life. And it, I just knew from that moment, I knew that we needed each other. We needed relationships in our lives. We needed people to show us authentic and true faith so that we could walk with them in true and authentic faith. And even though some of those guys don't walk with the Lord today, and that breaks my heart and that breaks our heart, um, we wouldn't be the same without the relationships that we had. And church, let me, let me tell you this today. Like, we need each other. We need people that walk in spirit and in truth. We need people that will uh, be good examples for us. I'm so glad to serve with this church where I truly believe that each and every uh, staff member that we have, both here and at Pecola, um, m more than they're talented people, they're people that walk with Christ day by day. They're people that live out true and authentic faith. And I'm not telling you to look at our lives and look at how perfect we are because we have stood up here and shared with you our brokenness and the things that we struggle with day by day because we still have a flesh that's in us. But all I'm saying is, church, let us walk together in faith. Let us walk together toward maturity. Come along with us, staff see our lives, live with Christ with us, and, and may our God not be church, and may our God not be cross-community and the things that are happening even here, but may it be Jesus, and day by day, may we worship Jesus, and may we grow in our walk and in our faith with him. I have no idea how much time I have, but that's okay. Um, to sum it up, I would only ask two things of you this morning. Two really quick points of application. Oh, we're, we're fine. First, devote daily. It's part of the six practices of the disciple, and it's the first thing. And I've said this before. We didn't just make up some stuff to sound good so that we could have a nice, tidy package of, of our church and vision at our church. It is absolutely important. Devote daily. It's the way, it's the process that sanctification happens in your life day by day. Understand that this life is temporary, that a relationship with Jesus is authentic and it's real, that there is a God, 
and that our hope and our future is in heaven. Devote daily. Second is to commit to community. It's pretty simple. Find people that you can walk through faith with. I know our processes and, and the, the way that we do community at this church isn't perfect. And for some people, it's hard to find a community that they fit in with. And for some people, it's been great. But commit to community. If you're in here this morning and you're walking your faith alone, you're walking in faith alone, let me tell you that that is not enough, that we need each other, that we need people to encourage us, that we need people to point us in the right direction when we're beginning to live by our flesh, that we need people to speak hard truths into our lives, and that we have to walk into maturity together. It's my prayer for Cross Community that, that we are not just a church full of, of people who are satisfied with just coming on a Sunday morning, singing some songs, hearing a sermon, and just going out and living our lives the way that everyone else lives them throughout the week. It's my prayer and it's my expectation that we walk to maturity together, that we reach LaFleur County, that we... Um, because our future and our hope is in heaven, we realize that this life is temporary and how urgently people need the good news of Christ and they need the light of Christ in their lives. It's my prayer that we walk day by day together in maturity, toward maturity. It's my prayer that those that come in here that have never met Christ see an authentic faith and understand that, gosh, there's something different about this life and about this Christian life and they want in. It's my prayer that they come here and that they express that faith in Christ church let's be the church let's be people who live authentically let's be people who set the good example and aren't showing the world that we're a bunch of fakes but are showing the world that there's something true and authentic about Jesus would you guys pray with me dear heavenly father God God I thank you so much for cross community I thank you so much for um, the people that have poured into me here, the people that um, I've been able to pour into, um, the people that have lived out true and authentic faith. Father God, I, I pray, I pray that we continue to grow. I pray that we continue to press toward maturity, that our treasure is Jesus, that our relationship with him is the most important thing in this world, and that we encourage each other in that. God, I pray that we live authentically, that when we fail, that we um, don't walk in shame, but we, we confess freely that we know that there's love and there's grace from you, but there's also love and grace from, from us, from fellow believers, because we've been there before. God, I pray, if there's anyone in here that doesn't know, doesn't know you, that has never placed their faith in Jesus, I pray that you would draw them this morning, and I pray that that this morning would be that time for them. God, help us to be people that live for you and that when our last breath is drawn on this earth, whenever that is, God, help us to be people who are proud of the life that we lived because we suffered with Jesus as we grew. God, I pray these things in your holy name. Amen.